Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Morningstar. It was all an April Fool's joke. It was? Trump said he was going to reopen the country by Easter. Yes. But instead, Uh he presented us a chart that said 100,000 to 240,000 Americans will die. So put that oh. in your Easter basket this year. Oh, uh, Trump is the trickster god. Whoa, he's Deadpool. He's Bugs Bunny. Oh, but uh, yeah, we're it's. Uh, I guess Easter is canceled now. Uh, I don't. It, he changed his mind on a dime. And do you know why he changed his mind? By the way, <sighs> no. His friend got sick. No kid. Did you read this? His like seventy-eight-year-old real estate friend got sick, and that's that's when he changed his whole tone on uh, on the pandemic. Truly, when you don't have the ability to empathize with people you've never met, which I would say is a skill that most politicians should have if they want to be successful, then the only way for you to be convinced that something is real is if you or someone that you personally know has been infected or inflicted with it. So that is a good thing, I suppose, for the nation now that Donald Trump has a friend that has coronavirus Unlike Jesus came back for Easter, the economy will not be back for a long time. It shall stay dead. But we have heroes working the front lines of the battle against the coronavirus, and we will be speaking to two of them later on in this episode. Liz Baldwin, she is the founder of Corona Couriers. No, they are not giving you the coronavirus. They are giving you the things that you need to survive. It's an amazing bike messenger service where people are hopping on their bicycles. They're all volunteers. Uh, They're hearing the needs of the people, and they're going and delivering the goods that those people need. We also speak with Morgan Sykes, who was a former journalist who was laid off in 2019, and now she works at a bike shop where she was also laid off. So she is volunteering and helping out the community all around New York City, all the way up to areas near New Rochelle. So we will speak with them a little bit later on in the episode, and I'm going to say... It's a little uplifting, yeah, and it's reassuring that people are the ones who are taking care of people, not the government, uh, who have been failing locally, uh, statewide, and federally 
when it comes to dealing with this disaster. So we are speaking with people who have their their tires on the ground. That is really and a, it's very important. An interesting vantage point because I like I said to you uh, earlier, I was in Manhattan picking up a vital piece of audio equipment, uh, and it is I agree. very eerie it is eerie because the streets are empty nobody's really driving there's just sort of homeless people who i don't really know if they know what's going on in some in some respects and then also there's uh soldiers walking around i was in i went to a into a bodega and there were two soldiers at the cash register and a civilian woman behind her and she asked what are you soldiers doing here in a kind of like meek am i under am i being detained kind of way right and they they kind of trotted out this what seemed to be uh, a rehearsed line that essentially we're only here in a medical capacity as if mm-hmm. to sort of stave off any uh, anxiety or worry about the looming presence of soldiers in your city. National Guard is also here. To their credit, that is one of the reasons why they are here for a medical capacity, uh, in a medical capacity. And we also see the two naval vessels that were promised to New York State, or New York City rather, they have arrived still. We are losing, we are out of ventilators now. Um, we are losing far too many people in New York City. Our hospitals are completely overrun. Thank you to all the nurses and doctors. Uh, It is ridiculous how underprepared we were as a city, as a state, as so many other cities and states were across the country. This is a wake-up call for cities and states that we need to have more supplies, specifically when it comes to medical equipment, ventilators, masks, and gowns. But do not worry because evidently the my pillow guy is on it when it comes to making masks. So we have a bunch to get to today. We're going to talk about Amazon and Tesla. You know, this is the feel good story of the week because they are treating their employees amazingly. Yeah. Oh, what's that? Oh, I'm just getting word. Never mind. They are treating their employees horribly. Amazon workers have said enough is enough of being treated Uh, As if we are indentured servants, as if we are doing slave labor, enough is enough. They are going on strike, and Tesla employees are damn close to doing a similar thing because despite the fact that Elon Musk, he's he's a cool billionaire. He smokes weed with Joe Rogan. Despite the fact if you smoke weed and you work for him, you'll be fired. And he got Grimes pregnant. Oh, is she pregnant? Which which is the cool, yeah, yeah. You didn't Uh, know this? Isn't that nice? A Musk Grimes baby. <laughs> it's a, a beautiful last name. A beautiful. You can. It, it sounds like literally sounds like a garbage pail kid. Yeah. Muskrat. Muskrat Musk Sally. Yes. Musk Grimes. You can see the green smell uh, permeating off of uh, the child now. Not that I'm. I'm not going to demonize a baby. Okay. I'm making fun of Elon Musk. But yeah, the uh, they're at the Staten Island Amazon facility. Workers are going on strike. Because of a ridiculous level of uh, opaqueness about what is actually happening with the virus within the facilities, there there has been re- uh, numerous cases of people with the uh, with COVID nineteen with mm-hmm. the coronavirus sickness, and 
uh, people are not sent sent home. Um, people Work are not told. Out. People are not told exactly what is going on as far as their distancing policy in the facility. They're not provided um, protective gear, and if they mm. are, they're the wrong protect protective gear. Well, where could employees of Amazon possibly even <laughs> get protective gear? I, I there's none around. Yeah, and uh, they and they uh, they don't get paid sick leave until they get tested for coronavirus, which is kind of an interesting policy considering it's very difficult to get tested for of, the coronavirus. And of course, as we saw with Amazon uh, owning Whole Foods, which it's funny to me that some people are still like, I'm a I am a total. I am just I'm a hippie. I shop at Whole Foods and I eat Ben and Jerry's. Uh, Whole Foods is a massive corporation owned by the wealthiest man in the world, give or take a week. Sometimes these billionaires fight over uh, who has a little bit more money. They have a competition, a a dick-sized competition amongst themselves with no regard for the amount of people that they're hurting by hoarding so much money. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about, speaking of hoarding money, Man, these senators, they're out there and they're protecting us. They're fighting for the American people again. Never mind, just getting word that nothing I just said is true. We're going to talk about four senators who are in trouble for selling off stock as soon as they heard about the coronavirus in a secret meeting, in a closed-door meeting. Evidently, the information was not top secret. It was a closed-door meeting, however. So they could have theoretically told the American people what they heard in that meeting, but instead they reassured the American people that everything was going to be fine as they sold off stock by the millions. We're going to talk about that. We are also going to speak a little bit about what's going on with Joe Biden's campaign. Obviously, 2016 was the year of sexual allegations, sexual misconduct allegations being thrown against Hillary Clinton's husband, Bill Clinton, uh, therefore uh, muddying up Hillary Clinton's shoes as well. And then, of course, we had the numerous reports of sexual assault, uh, rape against Donald Trump. Now we have a situation in 2020 where Joe Biden is the guy, unless Bernie Sanders is able to win 46% of every single primary going forward, which theoretically could happen, but in reality, extremely unlikely to happen. Joe Biden will be the guy for the Democrats. Tara Reid, not the actress, Tara Reid, a former staffer back in 1992 to 1993, has come forward with allegations that Joe Biden um, uh, fingered her without her permission. I don't think that that's the proper way to say it, but I don't really know else how to say it. Uh, he cornered her. Uh, he digitally penetrated her. She came forward and told her story. And it's interesting. We're not going to talk about it from the perspective of the event. Again, these are situations that uh, we were not we were not flies on this wall. Uh, we don't know 100 percent what what the truth is when it comes to these things. And as I talked about when it comes to Kavanaugh, if you go listen to that episode, the lens, the political lens distorts 
the human mind. I do not know, but I am going to talk about this. Travis and I will talk about this from the perspective of the Joe Biden defenders, because many of these people were on the front lines of the Me Too movement, and it's interesting to see them now cherry-pick stories that they want to believe, uh, dismiss stories they don't want to believe because it's not politically advantageous. And for me, I just find it to be another sad realization that my thoughts were correct when it comes to how how politics completely distort ethics. That is what the reality is. Power distorts people's ethical beliefs, and we're seeing it now when it comes to many of the Joe Biden defenders. Again, the same people uh, that threw politicians under the bus, including Al Franken, who was accused of doing not even remotely close to anything as bad as uh, Donald Trump or Joe Biden, certainly not as bad as Hillary Clinton or uh, Bill Clinton, and Al Franken resigned from the Senate. If you look at the photos, of course, Al Franken uh, was jokingly miming, touching someone's breast as she was wearing a flat jacket, a bullet couldn't even penetrate. Joe Biden on camera thousands of times. Yes has done things that are a million times more uncomfortable than what caused Al Franken to resign as a senator. So I just want to talk about it from that perspective. I think it's interesting, and Travis is much more socially social media aware because uh, Twitter and things like that, it's it's crazy to me. Um, I, I used to love it, and then, you know, like many things, people kind of ruined it. Um, but we will talk about some of the reactions, the defenders it, it very, of Joe Biden. It is very interesting to see where where people's thumbs and fingers get them online in a situation like this, where, where they're ultimately uh, pitting two rapists together, th- hypothetical rapists, and alleged they rapists. Literally, and Travis will maybe read a tweet or two, literally people saying, yeah, but... Trump is a worst rapist and I'm like are we is 2020 the year where we're going to choose the lesser of two rapists what a freaking world we live in right now folks Um, but before we do that let's get to a top story for me when it comes to these senators corrupt senators and the coronavirus The American people hear this, and this sends a chill down everyone's uh, spine, and it infuriates the American people. It pisses everyone off, including myself, people with private information uh, that they could have made public. Instead, they lied to the American people, saying the coronavirus was a hoax, just like Donald Trump did on Twitter. They lied to the American people and said the economy is stronger than ever. We're going to continue to go up, 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 up. Meanwhile, they knew the economy was going to collapse, and how do we know they knew? Because they dropped millions of dollars in stocks. Soon after, he uh, offered public assurances that the government was ready to battle coronavirus. This is according to ProPublica. This is about North Carolina Senator Richard Burr, who is not just a senator. He is also the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Many people are asking him to step down. Uh, This is according to ProPublica about Burr. Uh, They say soon after he offered public assurances that the government was ready to battle coronavirus, the powerful chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Richard Burr, sold off a significant percentage of his stocks unloading between... $628,000 and $1.7 million of his holdings on February 13th. 
in 33 different transactions. As head of the Intelligence Committee, Burr has access to the government's most highly classified information about threats to America's security. His committee was receiving daily coronavirus briefings around this time as well. That's according to a Reuters story. A week after Burr's sales, the stock market began a sharp decline and has lost about 30% since. But it is not just Burr. It's also Senator Kelly Loeffler, a Republican out of Georgia, Dianne Feinstein, of course, a Democrat out of California, and Jim Inhofe, a Republican who you'll recall uh, brought the snowball to the Senate floor to prove that global warming is not a real thing because if global warming was real, how could he have made that snowball? So this is according to reports regarding Senator Kelly Loeffler, again, out of Georgia. Evidently, Travis informed me, her husband, he's no schlub. Yes, Kelly Loeffler's husband is Jeffrey Sprecher, CEO of the New York Stock Exchange. Great. So that's a, it's a great company to keep in moments like this where you happen to have the biggest insider trading tip of all time. That's absolutely correct. Uh, anything that she does, she would have in, inside information about doing, of course, when your husband is the CEO of the New York Stock Exchange. So, and to give you an idea of like, do you, do you mess around with the stock market? Ben? I do mess around with the stock market. You mess, you, you, you dabble. I got, so, I got some money in there. As I've said on previous episodes, it's, it's going down. Well, so if you have a couple of bucks, throw before, it in now. Before, before even the halcyon days of February, when we could all, we all had the luxury of denying the reality of the coronavirus pandemic and the oncoming pandemic. Uh, bef- before even that, in January, these four senators received those briefings, and then they immediately told their uh, stockbrokers to sell stocks in things like Lululemon, right. TJ Maxx, Ross, all of these huh. brick-and-mortar re- retail wholesale people because they Weird. knew that they were about to go out of business. So they sold all of their stocks before the stocks plunged, and then they bought uh, stocks in things like the chemical giant DuPont, which, as we know, makes a lot of protective gear that fights off the virus. Interesting. So they played the stock market uh, after these briefings and then continued to go along with Trump's denial of the mm. oncoming pandemic. Wow. So they profited off the deaths of Americans. Right. Right. Uh, Continued to deny Not with just Trump. profited off the deaths of Americans, created the deaths of, of tens of thousands of Americans, perhaps, or at least didn't uh, help to prevent the death of hundreds or, or tens of thousands of Americans, uh, upwards of hundreds of thousands of Americans, depending on where we end up here. And now here we are um, looking down the barrel of the gun. They've made their millions and Trump has finally uh, allegedly come to his senses, uh, or so it would seem, with the realization that he's looking at hundreds of thousands of American deaths. Upwards of potentially two million. But people made their money. So They did. Loeffler, she wasted no time of using her position as a newly elected senator. You couldn't really ask for anything worse of a a freshman year than this for this scumbag, Loeffler, who I think should be in chains just like all four of these people, quite honestly. Uh, Stealing a million dollars. As far as I'm concerned, they stole uh, this money that they got I'm, I'm back lo- from I'm, the stock market. I'm looking stock at a. Exchange. Uh, I'm looking at a tweet from Kelly Loeffler from February 28th. Here's the tweet from Kelly Loeffler, who profited, who made millions off of this. Uh, Democrats have dangerously and intentionally missed the American people on coronavirus readiness. Here's the truth: Donald Trump and his administration are doing a great job working to keep Americans healthy and safe. So she's she just played her part, 
made her money. Get rid, let Joe Exotic out of jail and let Lofner fill the cell. Between January 24th and February 14th, and again, as Travis just said, that tweet was late February. She just got sworn in January 6th. <laughs> so she literally wasted no time to use her money to benefit herself financially, to use her power to benefit herself financially. She wasted not a minute. Between January 24th and February 14th, Loeffler sold anywhere, and I don't know why they have the betweens. I'm not sure why we can't get an actual number here, but I'm going to err on the side of it's the higher number. She sold between anywhere between uh, 1275000 to 3100000 So she made anywhere from nearly $1.2 million to over $1.2 million or over $3.1 million. I'm going to assume, again, it is the latter unbelievable meanwhile telling the american people uh that everything is fine trump is handling everything amazingly and do not worry whatsoever this is why people have no faith in the government this is why people don't trust our politicians and this is why they're correct not to unfortunately this is not even a partisan issue this is bipartisan because the country comes together in the worst possible ways senator diane feinstein out of california she sold. And again, now Diane Feinstein to her I don't want to say it's a slightly less hypocritical in the sense that she was saying coronavirus was happening. Right. You know, with Burr and and Loeffler and Inhofe, they're uh pulling out of the stock market or reallocating their investments. It's worse in the sense because they were lying blatantly to the American people and they knew it. Yes. Diane Feinstein was more pragmatic when it came to realizing that coronavirus was a dangerous, dangerous threat. So, but she also she made her money. She made her money as well. So that's why this is no excuse uh, whatsoever. And as a matter of fact, she made more money than anyone. Uh, and this is again why the American people do not believe that anyone in government is actually fighting for them specifically at executive levels uh such as the white house and then when you are a senator you are a very powerful one of the 100 most powerful people in the country and you do no longer have the ability uh to relate to the average or uh basic american which is why bernie sanders was able to resonate so hard even as a senator with the average american but nonetheless Diane Feinstein, she serves as a ranking member of, member of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Her husband, now this is where Diane Feinstein likes to play the woman card, which is really interesting. I'll talk about that in a second. Her husband sold between 1.5 million and 6 million. And again, how don't we have a more accurate number than 1.5 million to 6 million? I am airing on the side that it was 6 million. I think they put the low number on there just to trick us. I think they probably have to like reverse engineer how much they made because they don't have access to their actual do- you know, you know, access to their financial documents, but So she sold between 1.5 million and 6 million in stock in California biotech company Allogene Therapeutics between January 31st and February 18th. That was according to the New York Times. Dianne Feinstein's excuse. This is a senior senator, a woman that has been in the Senate, I'm going to say probably 40 years, a woman that messed up the, the hunting down of Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. That's when she was in San Francisco. 
the mayor of San Francisco. She gave the shoe uh, size and the brand of shoes that the Night Stalker was wearing in a press conference. Therefore, Richard Ramirez stopped wearing those (laughs) shoes. Really brilliant person. Dianne Feinstein, in an interview, said that she doesn't watch over her finances. That's her husband's job. She is just barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. Why would a woman know anything about her family's finances? That's not my job. That is a huge pile of horse dung. Enough horse dung for a Philadelphia Eagles fan to eat while celebrating their Super Bowl victory. Yes, I brought that up again because it's on my mind every single day. YouTube Philadelphia fan eats horse shit to celebrate the Super Bowl, and you'll see what I'm talking about. The idea that Diane Feinstein literally tried to pull the I don't look over my own finances, that's my husband's job. It's not the 50s. It's not the 1950s. And you know for a fact this type A personality that is Diane Feinstein knows every single thing that is being invested in her name. Absolutely. And her husband's name. The excuses coming from these four senators are so laughable. They're worse than a sixth grader can make. Uh, when talking to the principal about if he brought, I don't know what sixth graders are bringing to school and he, a, a gun to school. I don't know what sixth graders are bringing to school anymore. Back in my day, it was uh, it was nudes. We would have like little trading card nudes. But it was a more innocent time. Uh, I, I do remember, I'd never brought nudes to school, but I did go out into the forest. Did you ever find like soggy playboys in the in the woods? I put them there. <laughs> okay, great. The, well, I want to thank <laughs> you for, for long ago uh, leaving that for me to pick up in the no, forest. No, true story. There was actually a kid who tried to pin the nude that he brought to school on me. And uh, he put it in my hand as soon as the teacher walked in. The teacher assumed it was mine, despite the fact I have two gay older brothers. I didn't see a woman nude my entire childhood because I didn't have my brother's pornos to steal because they didn't exist in the way that I would have liked them to. So that was a lie. And that's where I realized that the establishment is often wrong and the criminal justice system is usually not usually, but oftentimes completely flawed. You learned that from a nude. I learned that from my experience in seventh grade. Okay. Mr. McCann's Mr. McCann's uh, homeroom there in the uh, I'll never forget the name of the kid that did it. Um, but nonetheless, I have forgiven him. He has sent me a message uh, saying I should listen to his band. So he's not <laughs> right. doing great. So we got Burr. We got Feinstein. We got Loeffler. And then, of course, we also have Jim Inhofe, who sold. Oh, my goodness. I even misspoke. Diane Feinstein is not the worst of all of them. Jim Inhofe is. He sold as much as $6.4 million worth of stock. Weeks before the panic and the epidemic, it is unbelievable that these four people are still in the House or still in the Senate. They should be out. I think all four of them should be gone. When it comes to North Carolina, Richard Burr, for example, they have an interesting policy in North Carolina where if he would resign, which he should, this is a thousand times worse than why Al Franken designed, like resigned, like a billion times worse. Um, he has to appoint a Republican. So the Re- so the Republican Party, when it comes to Burr, who again should be in chains and locked up and thrown away forever, he's gone as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you look at what happened with um, you look at what happened with uh, the former governor of Chicago, of Illinois rather, Rahm Emanuel, Blagovich, Blagojevich, whatever it is. He was put away for a long ass time, did ten years, and now he's out. He's on cameo. 
Blagojevich is on <sighs> camera, you know, you and, and also Jeff Lowe from Tiger King. All of the bad guys. <laughs> oh my god! You can get you can get Blagojevich to tell you happy birthday if you want get to. The heck you can out also of here. Uh, there. There's a video now uh, going around of Jeff Lowe from Tiger King on cameo, um, basically saying that he's a communist. He like has Marxist ideals. Oh my god, that is ridiculous. That is crazy. Anyway, Blagojevich sold a Senate seat. That was Obama's seat at the time, which, to be fair, is probably how they fill those seats usually, but he just pissed off the wrong people. Bernie needs to be in prison. He needs to be gone away with. Another Republican will take his Senate seat because that's how it works in North Carolina. So they there's no risk there. Most likely, anyone that is replaced here, both all, both of their political brands will be fine. A Democrat will replace Feinstein and Republicans will place, uh, replace the other three. That's just sort of how things tend to work out. You know, uh, you and Henry were saying on side stories like, oh, will there will there be a, a sort of an uptick in in murders or will people be able to get away with crimes like that a little bit more with this pandemic? I think overall accountability is going to take a huge hit as this thing gets even worse. Absolutely. And, and it goes for politicians doing shit like this. Uh, it goes for, you know, murder and crime. Uh, and it goes for the way that employers are treating employees. Everyone is going everyone gets to sort of uh, shirk the responsibility of being accountable for uh, other people now. I completely agree. Uh, this is an interesting point when it comes to Burr, again, the senator out of North Carolina. Just to make it even worse, in 2012, he voted against the 2012 Stock Act, which bans members of Congress from profiting from non-public information they learn on the job. So he had this, he knew he was going to do this for a long time. Yes. He, he was paving the way. This is the big, freedom. This is the big payday. This is the big payday. This is why you do it. I this mean, is honestly, it. in his head, he must be—he must have been like, "See, this is why I get out of bed every morning." I, I, every day. I, you know that one of these opportunities is going to arise, and you have to be ready to meet it. Absolutely. What is it? Fate is like when 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 uh, practice and, and it's preparation uh, meets opportunity, or so you know. Beautiful. He said uh, it or, all up. Or what? I think maybe Woody Allen said, uh, <laughs> a, uh, like. 80% of luck is uh, preparation or something. And then he talked about having sex with his children. Yeah, I don't know what the guy talks, talks about. about that. He probably should mention it every now and again. Preet Bahara, the Manhattan U.S. attorney, former Manhattan U.S. US attorney, I had a chance to meet him once. He was a nice guy. Uh, didn't put me in jail, so I like him for that. Uh, he said, quote, Congressional lawmakers should not own individual stocks, period. This is according to our boy Andrew Yang. He said, if you find out about a nation-threatening pandemic and your first move is to adjust your stock portfolio, you should probably not be in a job that serves the public interest. So these four senators feeling a little bit of heat, but not nearly as much as they should be as far as I'm concerned. Perhaps the media could cover this a little bit more. We know the death toll is rising when it comes to coronavirus. Scaring everyone is not going to help. And we talk about that with Liz and Morgan a little bit later on in the show. It's Fear is not going to get people safe. We need to keep people informed and we need to hold senators like this accountable. It is literally 4%. We talk about the priesthood. They say roughly 4% of priests are pedophiles. We know for a fact 4% of senators have committed, in my opinion, Federal crimes. And also pedophiles. And maybe. That's a whole nother percentage. So that is, uh, we got to hold those people accountable. And that is why the American people, why all of us, it's who do you trust? 
it's almost impossible to trust any of these people as they look out for their own self-interest with zero concern for ours. And that is their job. That is the definition of their job. And uh, they just refuse to do it. That's Feinstein, Inhofe, Loeffler, and Burr, four senators that should be out of a job. All right. Well, speaking of jobs, let's talk about what the heck is going on with Amazon employees and with Tesla. It seems like the workers of Amazon have had enough, and it is time for them to take to the streets, demand their rights, and demand to be treated better. If I told you that you would get paid $2 more... Would you uh, would you hang around a bunch of sick coronavirus infected people? Oh, let me see. Um, no. And would <laughs> could I sweeten the deal by telling you that I'll only pay you two more dollars until the end of April? That sounds no. That's what. Uh, so Amazon is actually they the way that they're combating um, coronavirus is by offering to pay their workers two dollars more. Wow. Um. And not really giving anyone a clue about what's going on with uh, sick employees. In response to the pandemic, Amazon said it would provide two weeks of sick leave to all Amazon employees diagnosed with COVID-19. And they also have a donation button now on Amazon where you yourself, I was, can? you can donate to their paid sick leave fund i can pay the employees for jeff bezos yes, so he doesn't have to do it so he can hold on to all of his money because the world's richest man refuses to just outright pay for the sick leave of his employees and uh yeah so we're hearing a lot about the fact that uh in amazon facilities people don't have the right prote- protective equipment they have none uh you know the if they do if they are provided the right equipment uh, if they're provided gloves for example it's not the right type of gloves they're being complete. They're not being transparent about uh, who no. in the facility has it. Yeah, it's it's a it's apparently a real shit show, and that's why about sixty workers in the Staten Island facility yep. have gone on strike. And more more strikes to come. In Detroit, they're going on strike as well. We have a situation where even other employees of Amazon are demanding uh, that people in the warehouse be treated better. This is according to tech workers at Amazon. They say. Recognizing the urgency of the moment, tech workers are going beyond asking Amazon to take action and are pledging not to work for Amazon if it fails to act. We also pledge, this is again the DC Tech Workers Coalition, we also pledge to ask organizations in our communities such as universities and conferences to not accept Amazon as a sponsor or participant in events so even people who work for amazon see that this is a massive massive problem this whole thing was led by group whole worker the sick out was originally planned for may 1st they're calling it a sick out but was moved up in response to reports that workers have started getting sick and testing positive for COVID-19. This is according to the group. This is what they wrote on their campaign page. As this situation has progressed, our fundamental needs as workers have become more urgent. They go on to say, COVID-19 poses a very real threat to the safety of our workplace and our customers. We cannot wait for politicians, institutions, or our own management to step in to protect us. Shoppers' current demands uh, are offered hazard pay by extra, by a $5 extra per order, changing the default tip 
to 10% and extending the sick pay policy to those who have a doctor's note for a pre-existing condition that may make them more susceptible to contracting the virus. So you need to show them a doctor's note. You're 45 years old. You got a family of three and they're like, show me a doctor's note. Hey, you know what? Maybe I don't have a lot of health care. Maybe I can't go to the doctor because I'm too busy working. The fact that they put that hurdle there is such a blatant uh, slap in the face to all of the employees. If you don't believe that your employee would tell you they're sick and uh, when they're sick or would try to fake getting out of work in this situation, which I understand that does happen, but if you don't have faith enough in your employees, if they are sick to tell you the truth, then you shouldn't have hired them in the first place. And quite honestly, it's just a massive slap in the face to all of the adults that work for Amazon. As we've seen factory after factory shut down, small business after small business shut down. The only place to work is Amazon. And now they don't even trust you enough to believe you. If you say you're sick, they treat you like you're a dog and they don't care if you actually get COVID. And if you do get COVID, you better make a doctor's appointment because you know how easy that is to do nowadays Apparently, and provide some proof. Apparently, Amazon is planning to hire 100,000 new employees, actually. So th- I think Amazon facilities are about to be a real like vector of sickness because they, they completely are doing the, the head in the sand thing and allowing uh, sick employees to just sort of be amidst their healthy employees and do nothing about the fact that the sick need to be at home and be given paid leave. And the fact that they're trying to crowdsource this with a version of GoFundMe as Jeff Billionaire Bezos continues to make money off of this is so disgusting. How much money do you need? If he paid his workers a living wage, he would still be a billionaire, number one, because that's how many billions he has. He has over 60 billion bucks. He would still be a billionaire. But even if he would make, even if he would just be a hundred millionaire, how much do you need? What is enough? I mean, these people, we need to change the psyche of the billionaires and we need to shame having, we need to call it what it is, which which is just systemic greed. They've been allowed to do this. It should not be cool to be the richest man in the world. It should be an indicator that you're a selfish asshole. Because what is the point of having billions of dollars and then you're not even paying your employees? Again, this is why trickle-down economics would work in a utopian society if everyone was good. But people are looking out for number one, which is themselves. And it just does not work. So now we have Amazon employees forced to walk out and protest and strike. They're outside. They're striking during this time. You think that's safe? I don't think that's safe either. But they have to do it because they have to have their voice heard. And it's the only way to hit Jeff Bezos. So if you can, please don't shop at Amazon. Here as a company, we're we're not doing Amazon. We're not shopping at Amazon until this strike is over and these employees get better wages. Health insurance are allowed to go to the bathroom. I would just say you get two dumps a day. You know, even if Jeff Bezos just said you can go to the bathroom twice, give him an hour lunch break. It's unbelievable. You know, in uh, in Kentucky, the governor Andy Bashir actually shut down Amazon facilities because they were considered vectors of of uh, illness. I don't understand why Cuomo isn't stepping in and, and doing this. Apparently, the Staten Island facility is not has run out of essential items. By the way, really? So they're selling like you know playing cards and dildos, but still having. Their well, employees the, the, come the in. The dildo might be an essential item. And apparently, sex toys are very 
high on the list of things that Amazon does distribute. Well, you can melt, melt down the plastic and make a mask. I don't know how you have sex, but that sounds interesting. Literally don't have it. It is a fascinating development. As the whole country comes together, everyone is talking about, you know, we're in this together. And again, we interview Liz and Morgan later on in this episode, and they truly are. They are just representing what people can do what positive things people can do. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with them. Again, they, they Liz started a program called the, uh, a foundation called the Corona Couriers, which is just amazing. This whole time of help out your fellow man, be there for one another. It's such cute rhetoric coming from the oligarchs. And then you see how they're acting. People who truly could change lives. I don't understand why Jeff Bezos wouldn't get a thrill out of giving every one of his employees a massive raise, treating them well, seeing them smile. Does he have some weird schadenfreude fetish where he just wants to see people in pain and misery? I don't understand. He has so one of the things we have a little bit more money than we ever have before. And it's fun to give people money when they even if they don't need it, just it's, it's nice to be able to donate to people it's nice to be able to help people and these psychopaths these billionaire and not i think bill gates has actually done some good things the bill the gates foundation is it's it is helping with starvation and things like that they're not all i like mark cuban honestly he's not like i, I think I, i'm one of the rare ones i think he's fun on shark tank but then you have these people like jeff bezos who could change people's lives and make them better. I just don't understand what's stopping them. Wouldn't that make you feel good, Travis, if you had thousands of employees and then they all said, this is really great. Thank you, Jeff. And then you could have a company meeting and they can say, we praise you, Jeff. Look, the billionaire mindset is crazy. Have you seen the the David Geffen uh, aerial drone shot of his yacht that he is quarantining on? (laughs) David Geffen... He tweeted out that he, you know, he's wishing everyone a safe quarantine. And then he attached a picture of his yacht upon which he is quarantining 2,000 miles south of uh, New York City where he is, he is, lives. Um, wow. But yeah, the, the, the billionaire mindset. Hey, you know, uh, if he gives ends to people, then I would say that's fine. But I have a feeling. No, uh, he's uh, he uh, isolated not. in the Grenadines, avoiding the virus, hoping everyone is staying safe. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, well, so it's just tone deafness from it is from uh, billionaires just writ large. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. 
There needs to be a way to deal with this. And this is why people were on board. When we talk about economic disparity and we talk about how do we get the money that we earned back? That's what this is. The billionaires, yes, they have set up things. They have put things in place that that create the money. I understand that. And that's great. You started a business. That's really awesome. I love that. We started a business too. I love it. But how do you get that money that is being hoarded? Because that's what it is. They have they have a mental tick where they cannot give. They are hoarders of money. I would love to know the psyche, the, the what goes on in the brains of these people. As they're looking at $60 billion and not understanding how much good they could do with that. It is, it's just sick. They have a sickness and it really is, it's unfortunate because we are, we're the ones who deal with the symptoms Yeah, they are sick and we are the ones that deal with the symptoms of their illness. They're fine. They're on yachts in the middle of the damn sea relating to us who have to hang out in our apartments. And I feel lucky. I, it's just me and my dog, uh, Travis, uh, he's with his significant other, but you got to think about the family of five that live in the two bedroom. Good God, what a nightmare. Even when they try to relate, they can't. And I was talking with this a little bit about Holden, uh, uh, this with Holden McNeely. He's on the LPN show this week. These people, that wealthy class, they cannot relate to anything. You imagine them listening to Cre- uh, Credence Clearwater, CCR. They can't relate to anything. They're just, they have no concept of what it is. If any of these billionaires turn on Bruce Springsteen, I hope that the the record stops because they don't deserve to be able to listen to working class music because they're not working class and they treat working class people like dog shit. I should mention another example of employers letting their employees down is is Elon Musk, though, because... Yeah, mention Elon. He's the cool one, right? He is the cool one. Um, you know, in, uh, in late January, apparently his... Tesla factory in Shanghai, in Shanghai was shut down by the Chinese government. So he is one of these people that actually knew of the coming pandemic a little bit earlier than most. And still, by March 6th, we have Elon Musk tweeting, the coronavirus panic is dumb. Right. Um, on February 29th, he uh, he sent out an, <laughs> an email to all of his uh his Gigafactory One employees, which is like 8,000 people, and he invited them to a party at a factory showroom. So this this meeting was supposed to be a celebration. Uh, two Gigafactory One employees okay. said that free food was served and everyone got a Tesla hat. Oh. Uh, one employee said that uh, Chris Lister, a VP of operations at the factory, addressed the company and told everyone to look to their neighbor and give them a high five. That's very smart. <laughs> so this was a... A high five party that was supposed to sort of spiritually dismiss the the coronavirus uh, panic, as it were, right. that uh, Elon Musk would later call dumb in a tweet. Well, the thing is, obviously, we all have the benefit of hindsight now. No one knew it was going to be quite this bad or believed whatever they wanted to believe. There was so much misinformation. Now, Elon did get a no. He got but a, he, he got he, he got he, a preview exactly. He, he preview. understood. That's what I'm and saying. A, and eventually, you know, he had a. One of his factories in Buffalo, obviously in New York State, which is the like, this is the epicenter of the virus in in the states, uh, that had to get shut down. Um, the one in California also got shut down, but he is refusing to shut down the one in Nevada. 
um, and is considering it an essential workplace, even though they have not sort of uh, re you know retrofitted retrofitted or, their, or like or, or have uh, converted it to some kind of like medical emergency equipment uh, production center. Well, uh, you do need to buy that emergency Tesla. Everyone knows. On a bit of positive news towards the billionaire class, because we don't want to offend the oligarchs. No way. Bill Gates and Jack Ma. Uh, Bill Gates, of course, is the second richest person in the world. Uh, Jack Ma is extremely loaded. Uh, Bill Gates has donated $100 million uh, to aid global detection. Uh, And Alibaba founder, again, that's Jack Ma. He has pledged $14 million from his foundation uh, to coronavirus vaccines, and he would donate $500,000 to testing kits and 1 million face masks to the U.S. It's not it's not the most, um, but I suppose at the very least it is something. Hedge fund billionaire Ken Griffin, uh, his firm Citadel has announced they'll give $7.5 million. Ted Leonis. He's the owner of the NBA's Wizards, the NHL's Capitals, and the WNBA's Washington Mystics, uh, and two arena football teams. Uh, He said that he would uh, pay all 500 ushers, ticket takers, operations folks, and other part-time employees who were scheduled to work through the end of March. But of course, now it is April. So what's happening with them? Just feel like 100 million bucks. It's it's nice, but... Again, don't you just kind of just feel like we're we're just getting the scraps? Well, everyone you know, is we're just the we're scraps. just we're just happy to get any kind of crumb we can get, and these uh, these folks could be paying a hell of a lot. Well, and as we're as we're seeing with the uh, economic stimulus bill, it is so difficult for people to get their little crumbs that the government has given them, and just, then the, and then the government or these billionaires want a parade. So when they do. We have a. Officially, uh, 10 million unemployed as of this week. And uh, as we said in the last episode, the unemployment system in each state in America is not equipped to handle that amount of unemployed. So you have people... 6.6 million this new... Week. This yeah. week, 6.6 yes. 6 million new people. So you have people call... You know, and as... Uh, actually, as Morgan says in the interview, she she could not get through the unemployment right. phone phone line. You know, you have reports of people calling 800 times. There's a woman in New York who had to call 800 times to get through. Wow. You were not being thought about in this in this pandemic. And even uh, so people who received Social Security uh, were initially facing having to like fill out several documents, documents to get their stimulus bill money. Right. But eventually uh, outrage made Trump change that. But this is the kind of little like impediments that are left to us. Right. Uh, and then whereas uh, corporations are given sort of a fast pass uh, to their money, th- this is all this is all sort of overall. What I think we're these corporations should go out and get a job. That's what I think. They should pull them up. So- they should pull themselves up by their bootstraps and go out there and get a job. One of the ways that we could help this when it comes to the respirators, we do have a boatload of respirators in this country. Currently, they're in hospitals that are not overwhelmed. I think what we're going to do after this pandemic, one of the lessons we've learned is there needs to be fluidity of goods, specifically medical goods. Uh, So if you're a southern state right now that's not being hit by coronavirus, you have a bunch of respirators in their hospitals. Those need to be coming to New York as the coronavirus wave, which is exactly what it is, sweeps through the nation. Uh, 
theoretically then New York will be getting healthier. These respirators can be given to the states that are most affected. We could we need to allocate these things differently. All medical goods need to be allocated and spread equally um, or to the areas that need it most and then go to other areas that then need it most. That would be one of the ways that we could help when it comes to all of the shortages of medical goods. And that is something that's being proposed right now. There's really no ability for these hospitals to do that. So a little bit like after 9-11, where the CIA and the FBI weren't talking with each other, they were in competition with each other. After 9-11, they came together and they got into a bromance. We need to have that with every single hospital. Every hospital needs to have the ability to lend their equipment to other hospitals and have it used when an epidemic or a pandemic like this hits. In this case, it's nationwide, but it's coming in different areas. Different parts of the nation are getting it at different times. So you have to go to the places that are the most affected right now in New York, large population centers. And then, of course, once the healing is beginning in those areas, then you can put them into the places that have a recent surge. That would be one of the ways uh, that we could help limit the amount of people not getting respirators and medical care. Uh, so I think that that is a good possibility going forward. All right. Well, let's move on just briefly here. Let's talk about Joe Biden. Let's talk about his campaign, the presidential campaign that uh, that could or is at the very least trying to. 2016 was the year where, you know, it was basically laid the soil for the Me Too movement. We talked a lot about consent and, you know, how people should operate in the workplace. Uh, obviously, we had a massive purge. It sort of laid the groundwork, as I said to Me Too. We had a massive purge in the workplace when it comes to, you know, you name it. I mean, uh, Charlie Rose, uh, Matt Lauer, the list goes on and on and on. Some women in there as well. The list goes on. There's a lot of people uh, that were like, hey, you're, uh, Roger Ailes, great movie, Bombshell, by the way. I said I was going to give a small review on Bombshell. I can give that in a second. Now we have the situation 2020 is upon us. Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee, basically. Again, unless Bernie Sanders gets 40, 46% of each state going forward, which is extremely, extremely unlikely. We have multiple women that have come forward and said, Joe Biden touched me inappropriately. That's the good stuff. That is the stuff that actually he's like, okay, I accept that because most of that was on camera. Yeah. You see him whispering in people's ears. I don't, it's just, this is why he's been branded Creepy Joe and always has. Now we have a story coming out from a gal named Tara Reid, who worked for the senator. Uh, He was, for about nine months in 1992, 1993, he still had some hair. Um, And she said that he digitally penetrated her uh, without her consent, pushed her against a wall the whole night. I mean, just absolutely uh, horrible allegations here. 2016, 2017, 2018, that would have been on the front page. And now it is nowhere to be found in mainstream media. Fox News doesn't want to cover it because it would be holding a mirror up to Donald Trump. And the left doesn't want to cover it because it would be detrimental to Joe Biden's potential campaign. So what do we have here other than a purposeful muffling of voices now coming from the left? And I'm talking about the people that want to put Joe Biden in power, both the people behind his campaign, again, Rahm Emanuel, Podesta, these people using him as a Trojan horse to get power back. And then you also have the media wing. 
now supporting Joe Biden and completely changing their tune. These are people who uh, praised Christine Blasey Ford for coming forward, uh, discussing her experience or possible experience with Kavanaugh. These are people who were all in on the Me Too movement. And now all of a sudden, all of a sudden, what changed? Oh, it looks like their boy has had some allegations thrown against him, almost to the point where it's comical. Travis, you were telling me that the Joe Biden, one of his top campaign people, scrubbed her entire Twitter of all mentions of Christine Blasey Ford because she didn't want to be seen as, I guess, hypocritical when it comes to uh, what's going on with the culture in, in a Me Too sense. A lot of a lot of Biden's surrogates, not necessarily like actually on Biden's campaign team, are making the online argument now that, you know, okay, so what? <laughs> if if Biden is a rapist, you know, he's still not as bad a rapist as Trump. And yeah, so a lot of the uh, uh, earlier Brett Kavanaugh criticisms are now gone from uh, certain people's Twitter accounts. In this sort of weird, surreal moment with the pandemic and uh, the Democratic convention being pushed to uh to august now hey you know our friend marcus has been talking about marcus parks of course last podcast on the left he's been telling me he's like i think there's gonna be a brokered convention and i'm thinking is there even gonna be a convention probably not but is this shit all just gonna be done online we just crowned this this maniac i think it's easy for people to just be totally out of pocket and just say stuff like well he's the he's the lesser rapist essentially in this case but unfortunately too with with tara reed she's like the perfect person to just sort of say this isn't real in this case from even the even from democrats because she wrote a medium piece that was like very praising of putin she's a bernie supporter yes uh it's unfortunate and also the the accusations are from 1993 it's such it's unfortunate because this is so easily the Kavanaugh accusations were from the 80s no I agree but uh I mean I'm not saying I mean you can go back and listen to my Kavanaugh I mean I conversation I mean you know we try to treat these things as as uh, appropriately as we can but it to me this is like such an about face and it's just so obvious and it completely undermines the entire movement that occurred the entire movement has now been basically the rug has been tore out from underneath it, sweeped out from underneath it, swept out from underneath it, because now we're going to have Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, and I guarantee you the left will continue to be silent on this. It is unreal. Biden, in a statement uh, in response, said that not once in his career did he believe that he had acted inappropriately. Um, He talked about the allegations uh, regarding Tara Reid, he says that I understand human contact has changed. I don't know. It was never normal. Joe Biden's activity when it comes to just rubbing people's shoulders and stuff like that was never normal because everyone was like, that's weird. No matter what era. Now I think it's a little bit more videotaped. It's a little bit more, you know, on the record because everything is filmed now. Uh, everything is on, you know, the web and everything. So you can just see like, you're like, damn, dude, like, come on. I'd be like, I'd get skeezed out if some, if, if somebody touched me like that. Here's another interesting thing. Uh, time's up the, the movement against sexual harassment. So Tara Reed was, was sort of directed, Hey, you should, you should seek, uh, financial assistance, legal, yeah. um, funding from time's up to support, these you know to go to with the allegations with the allegations and apparently according to this intercept article well the time's up legal defense fund 
Uh, of course, they got about 24 million bucks in the two years that they began. But evidently, uh, there is no money for Tara Reid. Among the accusers backed so far by Time's Up are some those uh, are some of those who were assaulted by Harvey Weinstein. Which you know, people are like, "Oh, it's a it's a Me Too victory." There is that aspect of it. And then there's it's also just a victory for society as a 100% whole. It's a victory for everyone. That man is a serial rapist who needs to be needs to be behind bars. And as I've said before, Joe Exotic, he got 22 years. Weinstein got 23. Joe doesn't deserve 22. That's all I'm going to say. Apparently, Time's Up could not provide assistance because the person she was accusing, Biden, was a candidate for federal office and assisting a case against him could jeopardize the organization's nonprofit status. There you which go. It's a little like rich. I don't know. It's I- a little bit like it's uh, all a bunch of horse shit. So this is what she wrote. This is Tara Reid. This is what she wrote in 2018. And this is why there's a lot of people being like, we can't trust her. And again, the woman who accused Al Franken, she accused him on Sean Hannity's radio show. And then Hannity had her on. And that whole thing was a radio host that was all Sean Hannity fueled. So if that was going to stop people, then uh, I I didn't realize um, that her words here would mean that she was not uh, forced upon by Joe Biden because she has some non-politically in line views, right? This is what she had to say in 2018. She said, President Putin scares the power elite in America because he's a compassionate, caring, visionary leader. To President Putin, I say, keep your eyes to the beautiful future and maybe, just maybe, America will come to see Russia as I do, with eyes of love. To all my Russian friends, happy holiday and happy new year. So, obviously, she's insane because Vladimir Putin, say that you're gay in Russia. Say that you want to have economic freedom in Russia. We'll see how nice it is, not to mention their sitcoms are horrible. We'll see how nice Vladimir Putin is. The man who literally bombed a Crimea hotel, uh, blamed it on the opponent so he could get power in 1999. The man's a total thug and a horrible piece of shit. Um, So she has horrible political views when it comes to Putin. So that means, I guess, that Joe Biden wasn't a total creep to her in 1992 and 1993. I guess that's what they're saying? Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. They could just easily paint her with this, this brush now, though, because of it. They are literally taking the playbook that the Clintons did against Juanita Broderick. They are t- that this is the playbook that they are using. Demonize, criticize, look at them and say that they're politically motivated to take somebody down. It is just so classic and I feel bad, my heart breaks to anyone that really saw this political movement. I'm not talking about the social movement which I think is great. The political movement, my heart is breaking a little bit for people who totally bought in because now again we're seeing that it is all power, it's all for power, and if it's politically advantageous for them not to give credit to a, a to an assault claim, then they won't, and if it's politically advantageous for them to be on the front lines fighting sexual assault, then they will. And that is why politics, as I've said a thousand times, the prism of politics distorts and just changes the human mind. So I just wanted to bring that story to attention and I want to hear your thoughts on it. You can DM me on Instagram, Ben Kissel One. You can tweet at me. I just, you know, it is, it, it, it's when we are, as a people, we need to have hope. And the more these kinds of stories come out, it just becomes more difficult. We need leadership that doesn't take, that takes accountability, which I love when, when again, when we talk to Liz and Morgan, we talk about 
all the just leadership taking accountability, which they just don't have the ability to do because a lot of these people are born with a silver spoon and die with a a full silver set. They'll they die with a silver cup, a silver plate, silver spoon, knife and fork. They die with more silver than ever before. And stories like this, I think, really kind of just drive that home. So we will continue to follow it. And we will continue to follow a whole series of different things when it comes to Joe Biden. He will be he will be the front runner. And again, Biden versus Trump. I've been talking with my friends, and obviously I think this nation cannot have four more years of Trump. It's very possible it happens. I'm going to go through a Wisconsin poll here in a second. When it comes to Joe Biden, there are personality issues that I do have an issue with. I don't think that he should be fighting union workers. I think it's a bad look as we have Amazon workers going on strike because they're treated like crap. I think it's a bad look. All of the the, the voting history, whether it be the Iraq war, the, uh, the allowing of the 1033 program, whether it be the, the crime bills in the early 90s, sucked. But the one issue that I do have to remember are there are people on the chopping block in the Trump administration that don't deserve to be there. That's DACA. That's immigrants. That's people that really do need support from the federal government. We need a pathway to citizenship. So when it comes to Joe Biden, when it comes to the Democrats, I would still be I'm willing. I, I want to listen. And I hope that they can talk about the people who are currently being, you know, completely disregarded by this administration. I mean, let's not forget transgender folks can't be in the military right now. There's a lot of people out there that this administration has uh, has made the enemy. And if Joe Biden can get it together and the Democratic Party can get it together, I'm willing to listen. But it's just hard, specifically for people like, you know, I know for Travis uh, and maybe I'm speaking for you so you can speak for yourself. But it doesn't seem as if they're courting the Bernie constituency of the Democratic Party at all. If not, they seem to be aggressively demonizing the Bernie wing of the Democratic Party. Well, even beyond that, it seems like nothing is happening. I mean, right. it doesn't seem like Biden is doing anything. Right. I, I mean, I would almost feel like, okay, well, at least we're going to have a guy to, to go against Trump in any form, but he is vanished for the most part. He and when, I, when he goes on, when he has his earned media moments on uh, like CNN and MSNBC, he is like uh, faltering and apologizing and, and he's like, it's, it's like he has fucking melancholia or something. I yeah. can't, I don't understand what is going on. There's a whole campaign team and they can't seem to push him into this sort of heroic uh, position. Like right. he needs to be a hero. He needs to do anything at all. Whereas Bernie is giving weekly conference, you know, teleconferences about what to do, how to, how to protect people. Uh, how yeah. to dole out aid to people in need. He's being a leader. He's being an actual leader. And I mean, just imagine the current version of Biden in some kind of like Skype debate with Trump, which is what it is looking like might happen. Oh my God, that's horrible. I mean, imagine, yeah, Biden basically like stammering and then the screen freezing mid stammer and then Trump wins. I mean, this is God. this is what we're looking at in this really dark future it's a very interesting year to so have an election I, that I is would, for sure I, I yes i welcome if he wants to put on bernie's skin and say like i support i think uh, he has to put on his own skin first like literally what's yes. the identity of joe biden i, I need, don't know i need to know like put on a biden mask something because i really don't know what he's even fighting for he's or falling. what he's advocating i really wish he would just 
show any kind of backbone so that I could feel like we're not going to have Trump for another four years. But at this point, it's Trump's election to lose, essentially. And what else could he do? <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, know. like literally, if he defecated on the stage, but you know, like I don't think he would drop. But you know, Bush invaded Iraq under false pretenses and yes. then immediately got elected again because he was a wartime president. Yeah, and he rallied around the flag, and that uh-huh. is what Trump is going to do here. All he has to do is not let people, for lack of a better term, trump up the deaths, the hundreds of thousands of deaths. If he can make it look like he did his best and navigated us through some uh, some horrible crisis, that is going to be enough for him to say, "Look, I did it. I made I I made us. Uh, and you know, I got us through this whole thing." I was talking with my friend on uh, one of these Zoom because this is how we party now. We party on Zoom, which is just it's like it's like masturbating. Um, in the sense that you, def- it is like a nice release, but it's not, it's not really a party. That's also you could just um, go to Chatterbait if you want that. Yeah, I guess so. But they were talking about how crazy Trump looks during his press conferences, and I'm like, absolutely. I mean, he's Trump he speaks in a Trumpian way, and it's bizarre. Yeah. At least he's putting his face out there. Now I understand he has the ability. He's got the podium. He's got the strongest. He's got the strongest uh, symbol ever to stand behind, which is the presidential seal. But he is putting himself out there. It's just where in the world is Joe Biden? I I feel if Bernie had the nomination, he's already doing a lot. He really is. He's out there. Yeah. I think that he would still be just more. He would be more in the minds of the American people. Joe Biden's allowing himself to be forgotten about. And Biden it's, is it's very literally bizarre. in his basement right now because they had to set up a studio for him in his basement. I don't understand in why he should be doing something on a daily basis. Not even about the corona. Just tell us about your plans. Tell us about what you want. And that's one of the ironies about these folks who go in now running for office with a huge record. Times have changed, and their record hasn't really looked good in hindsight. The crime bill was horrible. The war was horrible. However, I will give Joe Biden credit. The gaffe machine that is did gaffe our way into allowing same-sex marriage or at least pushing the Obama Obama administration uh, to... Uh, go forward and support same-sex marriage. Now, of course, the Supreme Court decided it, but those things do matter. And let's not forget, Barack Obama was not for same-sex marriage in 2008 or 2012. Like, we have done some good, we've made some proper changes here. It's just, where is Bernie's, Where is Joe Biden's message? Because he does not agree with the Bernie Sanders wing of the Democratic Party. But he is not going to win this election without them. And I don't see how I, I I wouldn't be surprised if less people that supported Bernie support Biden than people that supported Bernie did with Hillary Clinton. I, I don't I just don't see where he's even attempting to get them and say what you want. Again, I don't agree with Bernie on everything. I certainly don't agree with Biden on everything, but you're gonna want to have the immense amount of support that Bernie Sanders has. And I, I just don't see how he's uh, how he's doing it. And I I feel, if anything, as we're seeing the Tara Reid situation, I, I think exposed a lot of that as well, because there's a lot of people who are pro Bernie. I mean, I saw the meme that was just like Biden rapist, Trump racist, Bernie, not a rapist. And I'm yes. like, well, that's pretty that's a pretty impressive record. It's a pretty good uh, yeah campaign slogan. But uh, there's a there's an enthusiasm poll that just came out okay. uh, from ABC and. 
85% of uh, Trump's base is very, quote unquote, very enthusiastic about reelecting Trump, uh-huh. whereas 55% of Biden is very enthusiastic to about get- electing Biden. Voting is not easy. Yeah. I know that I'm, it is, but it's also not. Takes time to get off your ass, to stop your day, to go and support someone. It's one of the biggest compliments you can give someone is voting for them. Yeah. But at this point, that, that poll to me is like, why even have the election? Just have Trump for four more, four more years, we which, also, I, which I don't want. There's a strange thing where we can't like we're in such a different universe now in 2020 than we were in 2016. Um, so it's hard. It's it's difficult well, let's to go tell through this. Let's remember this. What were we at? 2016 Russia scandal for two years ad nauseum went nowhere. Well, remember the Mueller report? Yes. And then as of six months ago, what were we doing six months ago? Impeaching the president. That's right. Yes. We were impeaching the freaking president. Remember when we had that war with Iran? <laughs> then we had a, which I never thought was real, but nonetheless, World War Three was on the horizon. Yes. It is amazing. And everyone thought every one of these situations was it. And everyone thought every one of these situations was a huge deal. And now they are meaningless. It uh, All of that supposed work is meaningless. And it's just unbelievable that the Democratic Party has not been able to get a toehold in... Why aren't they... They haven't even been talking about the Amazon workers. They're not talking about any of the things that actually matter to working-class Americans, the the Americans that went from Obama to Trump. They have still thrown them away, and I just don't... I It, it is mind-numbing, all of these so-called smart people. If anyone goes to an Ivy League, they're dumb. Unless, of course, they got there through scholarship because they worked hard. Their parents buy their way in. Everyone knows it. The dumbest people I've ever met are from Yale. I met one per- smart person from Harvard, so I'll give it to you. And then, of course, the other person I met from Harvard was Alan Dershowitz, so <laughs> you can make your mind up on that. It is just, they are so out of touch with everyone, and the DNC is just falling down the same hole that they've fallen down every single time. They cannot relate to the American people. And somehow, despite despite the fact that the Republicans have nominated uh, a billionaire, kind of billionaire, billionaire by trademark anyway, they still get called limousine liberals and those kinds of things. And it still sticks because they are so freaking out of touch and because they think they're so much smarter than everyone. And now we have Joe Biden, who is just this. This could have been a great time for him. This could have been the time where he called out the fact that, that Trump called this thing a hoax a month before uh, the, the, the dookie hit the fan and he hasn't been able to do anything. I genuinely it's just, just it's stunning. I don't understand his approach. It's stunning. I genuinely am like very confused by well, it all. Well, let's see how this is doing in Wisconsin. I just got a few I got some polling data here from Wisconsin and I'm going to generalize the Midwest, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, Indiana's its own thing that's a little bit more conservative, uh Illinois, Wisconsin, Trump, this is a this is a recent poll coming on April 1st from Marquette University. Wisconsin, Trump versus Bernie. Trump is up by two. Uh, Trump versus Biden. Biden is up by three. And in the Wisconsin Democratic primary, Biden beat Bernie by 28 points. Biden up by three in Wisconsin is one of the least assuring things I have ever <laughs> seen in my entire life. He was up in double digits previously right up by three basically means this entire thing is tied up and the thing is basically tied up with bernie sanders as well but going back to what travis was saying bernie sanders has an immense amount of hardcore support 
And that's what pushes campaigns through the finish line, over the finish line. And I feel like he would do very well in making sure that his supporters come out and vote. In a general election, this is according to a Grinnell slash Seltzer poll, Trump versus Biden, Biden plus four. In a general election, again, same poll, Grinnell versus Seltzer, Trump plus one over Bernie Sanders. Presidential uh, job approval rating, uh, it's 48% approve, 48% disapprove. And when it comes to Rasmussen, President Trump's job approval, if 48% disapprove, or I'm sorry, 48% approve, 51% disapprove. So take that snapshot for what it is. What it's showing is that Bernie Sanders has basically maintained and Joe Biden has dropped dramatically. Trump looks to be, if you're the Trump administration, you're happy with those numbers. But I don't think that those numbers reflect how much energy campaigns have. And if you're Joe Biden, it's easy to say that you support him over the phone and then not go and vote. If you're Bernie Sanders and you say you support him, you're going to vote. And I feel like that makes that 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 makes all of the polling data suspect because you have to take in, into account how many people are going to actively do it. Bernie Sanders has a passion. They have a passion in their hearts and they're going to go and vote for him. And that means a hell of a lot more than people who just answer a phone call and say they're going to vote for Joe. Not to mention there's a lot of people that answer those calls and they're around mixed company and they don't want to say they're going to vote for Trump. Also, or, or Bernie, for that matter. And what is voting going to look like in in November? I mean, is it... Hey, the primary is still going on, evidently. So... We might have a... I mean, it, a lot of things might change to the point where all of this is moot. We just pushed the election to 2021? I have no idea. I mean, it, you know, it's there's talk about all, election, all, all the ballots being mail-in only, for example. Yeah. Which might change... Uh, you know, the the more voter uh, suppression that happens, the better Republicans do. Absolutely. But it might be a good idea for mail-in ballots to be taking place. Uh, I know Trump is pushing back against that because well, there's a lot of there's a lot of room for corruption. There's just uh, you want to believe that the American vote matters and each vote counts, but we've seen it in in the past where they'll vote for the vote flip, vote strip, and as we saw again, not to I always mention this one, but it's just so obvious. When it comes to Kemp out in Georgia being in charge of the voter roll, going against uh, Stacey Abrams for governor, purging mostly black folks off of the voting rolls, and then boom, magically he wins in a close election. Kemp's a funny guy. He just uh, had a press conference uh, either today or yesterday where he said he just realized that if you're asymptomatic, you can still give people the coronavirus. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, and now I think, but I think uh, Georgia is now officially uh, shelter in place. I had a friend a couple, maybe mm. like a week ago. He works in Hinesville, Georgia. Nice. And uh, he, he worked for a factory, a gift wrapping factory. And uh, the owner said, you know, fuck all that noise. You're all coming into work regardless unless you have legitimate like a document to see it yes unless you can bring me a glowing orb that is the coronavirus but yeah apparently uh georgia is now in shelter in place but it took a while because the governor was so uh uninformed about how actually how people actually spread the virus Oh my Shout goodness. Shout out to Brian Kemp. All right. Well, there it is. I hope we uh, well definitely definitely had some anger today when it comes to our leaders because they deserve our ire. They are not doing as well as they could. And uh, whether they be benefiting off the crisis or um, enabling the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people, and hopefully uh, we can get this virus under control as quick as possible 
And uh, that is, that's the goal. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Anyway, all right. Well, speaking of the coronavirus, obviously there's a lot of uh, difficult things happening, but we do have a time where heroes are stepping up. I'm calling them heroes because that's what they are. Now it's time for her interview with the founder of Corona Couriers and a Corona Couriers volunteer. The founder is Liz Baldwin and the volunteer is Morgan Sykes. Thank you both so much for being on the show and thank you both so much for what you've been doing during this insane time in the world. So Liz, I guess we can start with you, the founder of Corona Couriers. Uh, What is Corona Couriers and what are you doing on the ground right now to help people going through this pandemic? So we're just, we are a mutual aid network um, of cyclists throughout the five boroughs, mostly Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan. We're starting to grow a base in the Bronx, and we don't really have a lot of people in Staten Island right now, but we do have people with cars in Staten Island, so that works for me. And what we do is um, we we take requests from people who are homebound, um, whether they need us to go grab groceries for them or maybe they need us to grab um, personal protective equipment and bring it to their apartment or bring it to their friend's apartment. People from out of state are sending us, like, requests for their families in the city. So, for right. example, I had someone say, like, oh, my grandparents are in Riverdale and they want to leave the apartment and grocery shopping. I'm really scared. I don't want them to do that. Here's their grocery list. Can you do that for them? And I'll call them and tell them that they don't have to leave. You know? Wow. That that's awesome. So, yeah, we're not doing like home checks. We're not uh, nurses. We don't really have the credentials for that kind of thing. So, Liz, I'm not 100% sure of your background, but I know Morgan, uh, you used to work at a bike shop, which has now been closed because of the pandemic. So, and- um, first of all, the bike shop is still open. Okay. It was declared an essential business, an essential service by Cuomo. And what's the name of the bike shop? Just so we can get people out there if they, because I know a lot of people, that's the one thing, it's hard to know what's open and what's closed. So what's the name of the bike shop so people can go and support it? NYC Velo. We have locations in the East Village and in Hell's Kitchen. Awesome. And um, I, I, however, because I am not a mechanic and our space is very small, I have been laid off, which is unfortunate and, you know, frustrating for a lot of reasons. But um, the owner of the shop is definitely trying his best to take care of the staff and be as communicative as possible 
during this very difficult time. And right. I'm still trying to work out all of the details, but he has offered a very generous discount to our couriers um, if they need service on their bikes. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, so how I came on board, it's kind of a, a funny, I don't know, just very surreal story. Okay. Um, I, I tweeted that I would um, help people deliver, like get their essentials, get their supplies, whatever they need, um, because I am a former courier and I love to ride long distances. I actually awesome. raced in college for my college team. We won a national championship. Hell yeah. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. I used to work as a mountain bike guide. Um, I just, I really love riding bikes. So this just seemed to me um, just a very obvious way to be of service and help to my community members. And so the tweet went viral, which was bananas. What is that like, by the way? Isn't that kind of trippy when a tweet gets out of control and you're like oh my god i hope it's for the right reasons because if you get told like you're gonna wake up on tuesday and your tweet's gonna go viral like nine out of ten times it's for negative reasons and you're like oh my god i really hope this is positive yeah well that's that's like a whole separate conversation um it was certainly like kind of um a mind fuck because yeah. going viral especially as a woman when the image that I tweeted did sh like show my legs and my arms, people did sexualize my body and I got a lot of really creepy messages. You know, it was, it was a difficult experience for me to wrap my mind around. And also the, the attention on me personally is just not really what I wanted. So, but right. anyways, like I, I started feeling all of these requests for help for assistance and I was happy to do them, happy to fulfill them. But I saw that Corona Couriers was basically doing the same thing. I joined, you know, I emailed the, the address and got onboarded very fast and kind of just hit the ground running. Um, the same day, I just sort of started, I got roped in with deliveries. I got roped in on the operational side. And it was just, it was perfect because the mission being volunteer-led, very non-hierarchical, represented yeah. by a lot of queer folks, folks of color. Um, it, it just really resonated with me. And um, the infrastructure and support was already in place to make, to, to reach a lot more people than I was capable of doing on my own. So I'm so grateful to have found this community of weirdos, just like kind-hearted <laughs> weirdos. But to answer your earlier question, no, I, I had no idea who Liz Baldwin was. I had no idea who like Sasha Verma was, who is another, you know, dear person who has been instrumental to this, along with so many other people that I can possibly name. But right. everybody who is a part of this network is showing up every single day and doing what they can while our government is not doing shit. And that that's amazing. So much hope. It it gives me hope. It, it it gets me out of my bed, gets me out of my head. Absolutely. Well, we are the ones that are going to have to get us out of this. This is the people's mission. This is we are the ones most affected. And uh, if we rely on government, we're going to find out very quickly how inept they are. So, Morgan, you mentioned infrastructures. And Liz, I want to talk to you about this. When it comes to the infrastructure, when it comes to having something set up, uh, Kevin Costner, if you build it, they will come. To have someone like Morgan <laughs> see this 
uh, institution that you created and be able to sort of get streamlined right into the process, uh, getting out there and helping people as fast as possible. How was that process for you, Liz, uh, just to kind of give our audience an understanding of what steps you took to create something that then people could come to for the greater good. I know people all across the country, all across the world, but specifically we'll focus here, are wondering, how can I help? What was that process like setting up the the infrastructure to get something like this in a massive city? I mean, this is one of the biggest cities in the world. We're not no, not demeaning Des Moines or any other place. It's going to be difficult to set up these places anywhere. But if you can do it here, people can do it anywhere. So what was that process like? How did you get started? Um, it was a big learning curve at the beginning because my original idea, which was not sustainable at all, was to just have an email address. And then if somebody asked, like, can I have access to the email to look for requests, I would just say, sure, here's password okay which is a horrible idea by the way like like, you should not do that for the security of like the information sent to you like for your own peace of mind don't do that it's dumb so immediately almost immediately i think two days after i set up the email account um sasha verma who i've never met before who now i consider one of my very close friends uh, oh my god sent me an email and She's like, look, I'm a full stack developer. Let me help you with this because I was very clearly over in over my head. Right. And she said, do you do you Slack at work? And I was like, no, I'm a librarian. Our requests and our tasks are not that fast paced, so we don't need an, a tool like Slack usually. Right, right. So I was like, no, I've never used it. And she's like, well, let me hey, let me help you. <laughs> you are obviously drowning. <laughs> um, <laughs> So she set up a Slack and we, we kind of made like a, a template onboarding email. This was maybe like two or three days after I set up, after I put out the call for volunteers. Nice. And for those that don't know, Slack is a great, we actually use it here for the LPN company as well. Slack is a great app you can get. It organizes everything in a very uh, organized way. And um, yes. it, it just really helps uh, when it comes to organization. I've said the word organization now four times and that'll be the last I'm going to say. It's so no, organization. Is it like Beetlejuice mm-hmm. where if you say it three times, everything just sort of falls together? Oh, man. I could go for the Beetlejuice reality right now just to pep it up a little bit. Uh, anyway, so the organization aspect <laughs> was brought together uh, mostly by Sasha, um, who was like, here's a, here's a different way we can deal with this. And then as people were coming in, showing interest, Saying, you know, we want to help our neighbors. We right. have something that we could immediately send them and say, great, thank you for wanting to help us. Here's our sort of standards of service, if you will, where, um, you know, we require a certain level of protective equipment from our employers right. um, and like an understanding of what contactless delivery is if you're delivering something to someone. Um, and then at the end, we would have the link to the Slack. So people could just sort of onboard themselves to the Slack and then they would join the channel of the borough in which they can make deliveries. So Liz, how many people, was it a, a large amount of people uh, that, that came quickly? Did the floodgates open fast or was it more of a slow trickle and then slowly but surely through word of mouth, more people started coming on board? Were you overwhelmed immediately or? At first there were maybe like 20 people who were oh, interested wow. just from like a Twitter 
post that I put up. Um, <laughs> and my original Twitter post was like, here's my neighborhood um, in the neighborhoods that I can do this service in. Yeah. You know, and if you want to help me, send me an email. And then a journalist from the New York <laughs> Times called me. I put up a post on Nextdoor, too. And I think that's how he found me. Okay. Um, he interviewed me and, and did a little blurb in the, um, you know, the New York Times coronavirus, like, endless blog scroll of terror. Yes, I know. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, the one that you read and you're like, this is the worst thing. Yes, they need to call it the blog, whatever you just said of terror. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. But anyway, he put a little blurb in about us as, like, a human interest piece. Um, and it had, like, my name on it. Um, which was pretty rad. I sent it to my parents, and I was like, look, I'm in the newspaper. Yeah. Um, you made it. And then, uh, and then immediately after that, I got so many, I guess a lot of people were reading the blog Roll of Terror, and so many people were interested and wanted to be a part and help, and that was really amazing and very, That's very awesome. overwhelming. <laughs> that is so cool. So, Morgan, you heard about this. You went and you joined immediately. What are you seeing uh, when you go out and you do these deliveries, what has that process been like for you? Because I, I can assume it's it's got to be illuminating uh, and eye-opening at some points. It must be a little bit sad uh, also because you're dealing with people who are in need, who the government um, isn't able to uh, support. This is why we need people. We need just people doing this. Um, that's why you guys are both such heroes, and everyone that's doing the the Corona couriers—they're real—they're they are true heroes. What has your experience been like, Morgan, hitting the streets and seeing these people? First of all, I mean, I I appreciate that you're saying that we're heroes, and I was I'm sure has her own opinions and can speak to them, but like. I personally do not consider myself a hero at all, and I am not doing this work for accolades or to be valorized. I am simply doing what I believe is right right now. And as somebody that has um, good health and youth right. and an insane love and capability on a bicycle, I just, I, I love people. I love people. I see, I, 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 I value people. I, I am very empathetic and I care deeply about my community. And so I am simply doing what I feel is right. And I kind of, Morgan's like, a hero. It's fine. I know that's what, that's what, that's literally how every hero responds. If someone goes around and self titles them a hero, then it's like, Oh, you're not a hero. You're a sociopath. It makes me very uncomfortable because I believe that like the real heroes are the, the medical professionals. Um, Absolutely. We'll, we'll both agree. You're act, you're acting heroically in a time where others such as myself are playing video games. <laughs> But to answer your question, um, I don't think I've taken enough space to really process everything that I've been seeing. Um, and by that, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty trippy knowing that if I wasn't able to get out to the farthest tip of the Bronx, like literally two days ago, I was pretty much to New Rochelle mm. in the furthest reaches of the Bronx, bringing food to um, a very nice older lady who I don't know if she would have eaten otherwise. Wow. We are literally bringing supplies to people that are trying to do what's right by staying inside, but, right. but don't know how 
like they they we're fulfilling a legitimate need and a legitimate gap where the government is just totally failing its people. And it is mm-hmm. a sensory experience riding in New York City and just oh. hearing nonstop sirens yep. and not seeing New Yorkers. Yep. And that makes me sad. It does make me sad. And I have so much anger um, for the narcissism and just delusional, like callousness and disregard for humanity that our leaders are demonstrating. It is unconscionable right. and so much blood is on their hands. But I, I view each time that I get on my bike, each time that I get on Slack, each, each day that I'm showing up to do what I can, mm-hmm. it is an act of resistance. It is an act of love and it is an act of joy. And yeah. those, those, that's human agency. That is something that the government cannot and will not take away from us. You know, Morgan, that's a really powerful statement, and I love that you you used the word resistance. Oftentimes, that term is, it brings up negativity in the sense of destruction. It brings up uh, protests or riots that maybe get uh, out of control and lead to, uh, you know, smashing of buildings or whatever it might be. And then at the end of the day, a, a person making a minimum wage has to clean everything up. That's the way that works. But resistance can be positive and resistance can be love. And I just found that to be so unbelievable, that term when describing what you're doing. This is the ultimate form of resistance. And that that is really that is just a great way to to frame uh, this term that I think has sort of been co-opted by a series of people that maybe have lost focus on the goal, which is humanity. I feel that I like I I have a lot of privileges when I move in the world. I am a, uh, I ha- I'm educated, I'm abled, I'm white, right. the list goes on and on and on. But at the same time, I'm a nice white lady from the South. I never in my wildest dreams imagined that I would be delivering food and essentials in a literal dystopian breakdown in the government that I have been told and instilled faith in you know, by my, by my family, by my community. So, you know, this, it's, I'm as surprised as everyone, but resistance and acts of service are the moral imperative for me personally right now. That's totally badass, Morgan. Liz, when it comes to, as sort of to piggyback on what Morgan was talking about and what you were talking about earlier, when it comes to the power vacuum that you guys are feeling, or not, not power vacuum, I suppose in this case, a need vacuum, when it comes to this, was, th- was it something that you saw firsthand where you're like, People are staying at home, as Morgan mentioned. People are doing everything right. They're they're trying to socially distance. And by the way, when all of this is done, if I hear the word social distancing <laughs> for the next two years, I'm going to start freaking out. This is until after June. I just don't want to hear the terms anymore. We can call it like the stay the fuck away from me. I don't. You can call it anything else. I'm just so done with the term social distancing. Um, but was it something that you saw, Liz, uh, firsthand, where you're like? These people are staying home. They literally should not be outside. They're elderly or they're immune compromised. And there's just no way the government, the federal government's far too large and the local government is far too inept. Uh, and of course, the federal government's also inept. But was there an experience that you had where you saw a need and you felt like 
I know how to solve it, or I can at least attempt to solve this. Was there anything that happened that drove you to creating the Corona Couriers? And again, we are speaking with Liz Baldwin, who is the founder of Corona Couriers, and Morgan Sykes, uh, who is a courier and a volunteer. Uh, Liz Baldwin, a uh, former librarian, I believe current librarian. I'm still a librarian. <laughs> still a librarian. And Morgan Sykes, soon to be a bike shop employee once again, but currently um, laid off. So hopefully those... Uh, that job is there when all of this is said and done and the economy will be booming once again. But Liz, <laughs> what what was your experience to start this thing? Um, my experience as a public librarian like informs mm. the way in which I interact with people and the world. And I have the unique privilege and opportunity to serve people as a public librarian in the one of the most heavily trafficked branches in New York City, which is the Mid Manhattan yes. Library. Oh yeah! Um, wow. Yay! <laughs> Support libraries. Support your local libraries. Thank you, God. If you if anybody gets anything out of this, just please like support your library um, because that's where the people who have nowhere else to go tend to go during the day. Um, that's a very interesting point. Yeah, I've seen a lot of different types of people, and I've seen a lot of different types of need in in my community and in communities throughout New York City. Um, you know, Liz, that is a very interesting point that I have not thought about. And I am complicit when it comes to who goes to libraries. Um, you are kind of on the front lines of a lot of social injustice. You're on the front lines of a lot of people who, as you mentioned, don't have another place to go. What has that experience been like? Because I would assume when you sign up to be a librarian, maybe you don't expect to have to deal with people who are in economic despair. No, <laughs> I knew. <laughs> oh, you did know. Okay, smarter yeah, than me. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, that was a part of the, like I always knew I wanted to help people and I yeah. also really love um, doing like sort of information search and rescue for people. Like I really love like getting the right information to the right person at the right time just sort of yeah. like hits this spot in my brain that just is like oh that's so cool so satisfying that's so awesome so um in interacting with some of our patrons i've you know i've realized that there are there's um different levels of like for lack of a better word poverty there's sort of like a physical mm -hmm. poverty where you just like you need money and you need money for rent and food or whatever there's also like right. an information poverty where for you know any number of reasons that like you can't get the information that you need whether it's right. from like the government or like even news sources um i have people come in and ask me you know is this real they'll like show me <laughs> pieces of news on the on their phone oh. or whatever just like all sorts of different types of of need and right. i figured like when i started cc is what <laughs> corona corridor cc um <laughs> when i started it i was like this is going to be like the most obvious need that i can you know, handle, you know, or right. it's like, nobody's going to be calling me right now and, and being like, uh, if you, if you look at the New York times archive from like 1977, like, you know, in the January issue, like, what was that about? Like, do you, do you think that really happened or what, you know, like nobody's right. really asking me those kind of questions right now. So yeah, it's like kind of all about finding the, the need and like sort of figuring out how best to address it. 
Uh, so Morgan, again, you are, and, and I know Liz, you also, you also deliver goods and everything as well. Um, Morgan, you're on the front lines there. Have you ever been, have you been concerned at all about your own personal safety? Because I know that might be a reason that stops people, um, from helping and they'll say, uh, well, I, I, I don't, I don't want to get sick myself. Um, so what kind of advice can you give to people like myself, honestly, because I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I am not a hero. As a matter of fact, yesterday I slept 15 hours and I was depressed when I woke up. So perhaps I should wake up and go do something when I have a day that I'm able to do something. So, so there, there are a few ways that I kind of like approach that question. And, and my first response is I think that staying home and preserving your health and flattening the curve is in itself a like an act of everyday heroism that should not be dismissed. And it's important to work on your mental health and like talk to friends and take care of yourself, like while you're doing that so right. that, you know, you're not just like moldering in your own juices at home. <laughs> well, you nailed it. And, uh, all right, I will, uh, I'll get on some zoom calls soon. <laughs> and the second way that I, I interact with that question. My dad actually just right before we, um, right before you called me, sent this New York Times op-ed that was discussing um, basically people that keep uh, repeated interactions with viral loads. So basically my dad was insinuating because he has not been wild about my decision to stay in New York for the you know weeks now and right. I think that he he appreciates what I'm doing but he's very scared that I am going to get sick you know his kind of point was that by putting myself out there again and again I am just like inherently at risk and right. I appreciate that and I that is I think you know the science the exact details about the transmission we're still learning so much but I want to say like I think it is arrogant to to believe even as a well healthy person that's 32 years old that's my age like it's arrogant to assume that I'm not going to get sick my my focus is on doing everything that I can proactively to take care of myself so that I do not become a burden on our overburdened medical systems in right. New York City we will be out of ventilators on Sunday I believe that in New York State statewide some 450 or so people lost their lives we are truly in a crisis, and my emphasis is not on adding to that crisis. However, I am taking steps to maintain my health so that I can keep vulnerable people who certainly should not be outside yep. indoors. And that's, you know, wearing gloves, um, sanitizing my hands, sanitizing the gloves, wearing a mask. Um, I'm taking lots of vitamin C, like, you know, I'm just being very, very proactive and I'm monitoring my health, but I think that everybody right. is different. Everybody has different needs and I think it's totally okay. And even commendable just to be at home right now. That's okay. That's enough. I have kind of like a unique skill set. I don't wear the mantle of a hero lightly. I, uh, <laughs> I take my role very seriously as someone who... Sleeps, <laughs> plays video games, pets his dog. Um, 
that is that really is unbelievable. Uh, what what both of you are doing and everyone that works for Corona Couriers or anything like that in your local communities, anyone doing anything like that, is there any way that people can support financially? Uh, do you guys have like a GoFundMe? Is there any way to um, get people here, such as myself, to feel more involved, to chip in twenty bucks, thirty bucks? Is there any is there any way that people can help you guys in any way? So instead is we've set up our own little um, like cash fund to to fulfill the requests of people who, for whatever reason, can't buy their own groceries right now. So if they're like on EBT, if they're just having cash flow issues. Like, okay. So we do have a fund set up. And where can, where can people find that? It's, a, it's a, just a per, it's, <laughs> it's our, one of our operational leaders' personal Venmo, basically. Okay. I promise you it's legit, although you can't write it off your taxes. Um, it's just the, you just Venmo like at Sasha S A S H A dash Verma V E R M A. So that's the same Sasha I was talking about before. Who's like the full stack developer yes. who basically saved this whole project by explaining how to organize things to me. Awesome. So Venmo Sasha Sasha dash Verma. All of the money <laughs> will be will be going to the Corona Courier. Um, so please, if you can, if you have any money to spare, if you're saving money from not going out to bars, just take 20% of that and give it uh, to these people. Or if you don't live in the New York City area and there's another place near you doing something similar, support them. Um, I would imagine that this next question is going to get an immediate no response, but you never can be sure in this day and age. Has there been any blowback? Has there been anyone who says... Uh, they don't agree with what you're doing. Has the city? Has the city? Because this city will find people, will will make things illegal that are good. You can't do certain things in this city, and you're like, why the hell can't I just give this organization a, an amount of money, whatever it might be? The the amount of red tape around here is insane. Have you gotten any pushback from the city or from people saying that this is not legal or anything like that? I, I'm loath to even bring it up because it was a couple weeks ago, but there was this op-ed that was came out in the New York Times oh, that kind yeah. of questioned the safety of mutual aid efforts, like kind right. of advised that, uh, you know, like no contact is still not safe and that we need to wait for the government to give us more information uh-huh. about how safe it is. And I intended on writing a response to that because I'm actually not just a laid off um, bike shop employee. I'm actually a journalist that was laid off of New York uh, Magazine in 2019. Okay. So um, I I really wanted to address kind of this very privileged, insulated, and alarmist and bad faith take. However, we've just been too fucking busy delivering essentials (laughs) to people. And it's not about, you know, complete safety um, it's about risk fucking reduction here yeah, and keeping people home, making sure that we're, uh, you know, that we have these standards in place for um, personal protective equipment for our couriers and everything like we're doing our part. So that's the only kind of thing that I can think of. And I believe that that was just sort of a spicy take meant to kind of drum up some clicks. That's what's amazing to me. Everyone can have uh, have a stupid take 
verbally. God knows I have I'll probably have I probably have some on today's episode. But to have a shitty take and you're writing in an op-ed, at some point halfway through, doesn't a part of your brain be like, oh yeah, that's right. I sound like a total jackass. And when it comes to the term privilege, which I don't use uh, often, there is no greater privilege that I could possibly think about than someone penning an op-ed in whatever, the Hamptons, <laughs> being like, do these, they, these people can wait three weeks to eat. This is not a. This is not a time. This is a very time sensitive situation. And that's why, like, um, we were kind of talking about whether you know how to kind of engage with it, and we've just been too busy. It, we've just literally been too busy. The need is too great. It's it's yeah. sort of self evident, you know. So, like, I, I, I'm we're we're just too busy bringing food and essentials, taking yeah. every appropriate measure to keep everybody safe. To like you know, engage with that take. Um, what do you guys think about the media coverage? Uh, Travis Morningstar and I here on Abe Lincoln's oh, Top God. Hat, we, we often critique the media. Uh, that's a large portion of our show. Uh, we see MSNBC, CNN, Fox News. Um, they have the, the ticker, almost like it's a sporting event. I, I don't want to be so skeptical as to say that they speak gleefully about this situation, but certainly ad revenues are coming in as people are forced to stay at home trying to get information, and I get very concerned uh, with the information that's being presented. I think there's a lot of fear-mongering going on, and in this case, the, the regular fear should be enough. We don't need more fear infused into our national psyche. What do you guys think about the coverage, and what would you like to correct if you've seen something that is just blatantly false in your experience? One of the, I mean, as a, <laughs> I'm just about to start a sentence with as a librarian, but like as a librarian, <laughs> media literacy is really important. Um, yeah. It's something that we teach. It's something that like the American Library Association has standards about. And um, I don't know. I posted on my Twitter the other day. Um, just it's like a really handy little graphic about like how to read the news basically and realize that what is your emotional response to this what we're, when it comes to media literacy because i agree i think that needs to be taught in schools because uh i have a rule where if there's any under if there's any like background sound that's like duh, 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 like the way that cnn rolls in everything is so dramatic and it's just totally counterintuitive to act, which which stimulates the with the mind in a, in a way. These things are it's like we're just animals. It's very simple to, to sort of uh, you know hypnotize us. Um, what advice would you give to people who are sitting at home right now, chewing their nails off, um, just being scared? Which again, a proper amount of concern is totally warranted and valid and appropriate. But what do you say to those people as they're watching the news? And Morgan, please uh, jump in here too with your with your um, journalist experience. What do you say to those people to say, yes, it's it's rough going for a lot of folks, but this is how we're we're going to get through it uh, emotionally. What are some of the tools that people can use to not get so beaten down uh, by mainstream consumption of news? Uh, someone um, should tell me that. <laughs> I like want to cry. Um, but I did a, I did read a piece, I think it was in the Intelligencer or something, where they talked to a pathologist. And she was like, the second you read a piece of news about COVID, it's out of date. Um, right. Because right. that's moving so quickly. 
And for some reason, that really helped me. It really, like, drove home for me that, like, I don't have any control over this. Right. Um, this is an unprecedented situation. We have not lived through anything like this before. Mm-hmm. And just, like, sort of with that knowledge of sort of we're all sort of going by feel right now. Like, we yeah. don't really know what's going to happen. We don't really know that much about this virus. And because emotions are so high, it seems like they are exposed and easy to manipulate. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think that I, I'm not going to say anything like like super illuminating, but I just think it's important not to just mindlessly just like mainline news 24-7 yeah. right now because we're all kind of stuck at home, right? And so I think it's very easy just to go in this doom spiral where it just feels insurmountable and literally all of the news is bad and all of the news has been bad prior to the pandemic. Things have been nuts. I mean, it's been wild, wild times. I mean, isn't it unbelievable? We were talking about an impeachment six months ago. (laughs) We were talking about everything under the sun and it's as if that never even happened. Right. And I mean, like I, it's, I, I, my experience, like, so I, my family is from Mississippi. Um, I come from a, an agrarian background. Um, and, like, a lot of my relatives are extremely conservative-leaning, um, trust and believe in Fox News. And it is difficult. But I think that it is difficult to spin a pandemic. I, I, I mean, this is a force of nature. This right. is This is again, unprecedented. So I think what I am trying to stay focused on is just getting through this to the other side, arming myself with the news that I need to make informed choices as a citizen, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but not sacrificing my mental health or sacrificing this hope that is my backbone right now. And that's part of the reason that I am so grateful for Corona Couriers and for Liz and Sasha and Carlin and Kit, all of our fellow volunteers. Like, this is giving me something to grab onto, something concrete to do that I feel I have control over. I have some sort of almost like debit system or ledger every day where I can be like, okay, well, yeah, everything is really fucking scary. I'm alone. I don't have anybody to hug, but I did get this, you know, this amount of food to this sweet abuela in the Bronx and to this neighbor in Crown Heights, you know, there's right. something human. So I guess that's what I'm trying to bring this back to. Let's focus on humanity, not yeah. get lost in sensationalism or clicks or just all of the cynical, nasty, dark shit that is yes. real, but is also incredibly distracting. Absolutely. And the fact this has become a partisan issue is disgusting to me. Uh, if you, w- you would think that we could get together over a... Uh, politically ambivalent virus but evidently uh even that has been politicized what do you guys want to see the government doing that they're not doing and i understand <laughs> that not doing is a large question so you oh, can't wow. just isolate it down to oh, your wow. personal experience um what would you like to see the local state and federal government not in, in a nutshell i understand this question is massive um, right. but what would you like to see them doing 
the people with all the money and the power. What do you, what do you want to see here happen? My first response is I would like to see some taking of responsibility. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like well, that's a big one. Straight that's... talk wow. and some taking of some fucking responsibility. <laughs> that's what oh, my that goodness. I, I totally I agree. <laughs> Which was go fuck Morgan, that is so dead on. I, I don't even need them to do anything. I really don't. I just want someone to be a fucking strong leader. That is, is that the, oh, that's, that's it. I, I totally agree. Take responsibility. Um, but God knows with the, uh, with the folks in the white house. Now the juvenile Cartman like antics that happen on a daily basis with every single press briefing responsibility is not something that they're willing to take to add to that. I would like to see, I mean, besides the things that I think would just help a lot, which would be like, you know, ramping up testing would help a lot. I think, Mm -hmm. um, getting personal protective equipment to people in hospitals is like incredibly important. But I also would like to see somebody say, like, oh, I, I fucked this up, you know? Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be so refreshing oh if one of our leaders just went on TV and was like, okay, we didn't know it was going to be like this, and right. we kind of fucked up. Sorry about tweeting it was a hoax. My bad. Yeah. The, I mean, not other... even my bad, but like with some humility, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, right. We, right. Like, we, we underestimated this. We didn't act soon enough. We ignored scientists. We, we, you know, we ignored what was happening in China. I think the other thing I would like to see uh-huh. them do besides the medical crisis and, and PP for healthcare workers, all of that, they need to freeze the fucking rent. Yep. Like, oh my that God. Is literally, that is literally the least they could do. Yep. Literally the least. I don't want to see a single other person on Twitter, like applauding Cuomo for being a stern dad. Yep. We need the rent frozen <laughs> Absolutely. right fucking now. Frozen we and not to be paid back. Financial assistance for people that are suffering. Yep. I have a master's degree. I've been laid off twice in less pretty much a, a year, Damn. I cannot get through to unemployment. I have been calling them and calling them and calling them. I cannot get through. How the fuck are we going to pay? I mean, like, seriously, the people are just getting fucked right now, and yeah. it is not okay. The least that can be done right now is economic justice. You know, while people are dying in mass, while this situation in our hospitals is apocalyptic, can we at least get a fucking rent freeze? Like, yeah. come on, throw us a bone. Totally agree. Totally agree. People like Bernie Sanders, people like Andrew Yang with the UBI proposal, they're seeming to make a lot more sense right now to a lot of people. And as we saw again with the stimulus bill, $2 trillion, uh, evidently they found the money. Uh, but of course, they gave that. They allocated those funds to massive corporations. Travis Morningstar po- pointed out on last week's episode a small business, according to the federal government, is 499 people or below, which, in my experience, is not a small business whatsoever. I mean, what do, what do they want us to do? I mean, like, seriously, what do they want us to do? Like, as a population yeah. that is has elected these officials, like, there is such callous disregard for for humans right now i i just i i guess like i should have known that like our leadership was evil but just the extent of the evil i i i just i i'm struggling to accommodate it in my brain and heart circuitry 
And of course, when it comes to the federal government, there are people to listen to. Dr. Fauci, um, he is, uh, you know, he is a well-known doctor. You know, it's not the I think we're referring to the political side of sure, uh, of, of the course. government, which is, of course, love the, scientists, massive, love the doctors, love the doctors, yeah. love the scientists as they stand behind uh, Donald Trump <laughs> looking as they literally they look at Donald Trump the way that my parents looked at me every single time. I was like, I have something to say at the dinner table. And they're just like, all right, we'll just let him talk it out. Let him finish. And then we can get back to dinner. So, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Liz Baldwin, the founder of Corona Couriers, Morgan Sykes, one of the volunteers amongst many other volunteers. Thank you so much. Again, give to the give to the Venmo. What was the Venmo again so people can remember? Sasha-Verma. Sasha-Verma. Give to their Venmo account, 20 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever you can, um, and help them out as much as possible and uh, help out anyone in your local community. And where can people reach you um, if they want to start something similar in their area? Liz, I suppose I'll field that question to you. Um, where can someone reach out and say hi? I'm in Roch. I'm in you know anywhere. You know, I've had people email and ask. I had a person in Boston, actually two people in Boston, ask me how to do this, and um, I sent like sort of a little like how to, and it's just Corona Courier, so Corona like crown in Spanish, Courier like the person on the bike um, at protonmail.com. Awesome. So support them and learn from them. And thank you so much for what you're doing. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thank All right, you. Thank you. All right. There it was. Liz Baldwin, Morgan Sykes. Again, it's Sasha-Verma. Donate some money uh, to their Venmo. And if you are out there and you want to help out in your community, please email them as well and reach out and, and figure out the best way to do it because we are going to get through this together, obviously. Air quotes. Leadership is failing us okay everyone thank you all so much for listening hope everyone is safe healthy and happy hang out with your family watch some good shows on netflix maybe play some video games do whatever you're gonna do to pass the time and we shall get through this at some point soon there is almost a light at the end of the tunnel it's a small speck right now but it'll get bigger as time goes on as the train keeps on moving okay everyone hail yourselves we'll talk to you soon This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.